0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our hosts, Tom Iovino, Deami Palatke, and yours truly, Chris Adkins.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this, the 68th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. I can't believe they keep having us back. Today's special guest is Andy Brownell, but before we get to him, let me introduce our usual panel. I'm Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com and I'll be your host for the program. Coming to us from sunny Long Island, New York is your friend and mine, De'Ami Palatke. Good evening, Tom. How you doing?
2: I'm just Dandy. Is the sun
1: up yet or what? What's that? Is the sun shining today in uh, Long Island? No, the sun doesn't shine.
2: No, it was was bitterly cold but bright.
1: But bright, that's good. I'm I'm glad to see that. It's it's bitterly cold but bright, that's good. How How has winter treated you so far in 2015?
2: Winter's been fine. Um, I insulated the shop last year, so the shop is toasty warm and, uh, you know, freezing temperatures break roofs. It's a wonderful thing
1: nice gotta like that gotta like that keep you in business and joining us from equally sunny and fun atlanta georgia chris atkins hey chris
0: hey tom and i'm not sure that i uh live in atlanta right now i think i may have moved to london because uh it's been foggy foggy and rainy for the past uh week so no, no sunny here
1: be sure to wave when you see big ben okay i will Good, good. Be sure to get some pictures in front of that as well. Oh, yeah. Now, see, whether you're in Long Island, Tampa Bay, or London, England, you have to remember that this episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast is sponsored by the Gorilla Glue Company for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. Well, we know it's in Diami's shop because we spoke about this just last week. He's got a worm shop, and he's working on what, Diami?
2: I'm working on the Pinewood Derby.
1: Nice. For everybody yeah. in the country
2: exactly exactly i want all the cubs cats in the country to come over i'll be away this weekend next weekend you guys come over and we'll run some cars through my my garage that's awesome
1: nice so when last we left you you were moving your track that you were rebuilding to, yeah, I office, imagine,
2: to the warehouse right yeah i took the track to my office because the track is 36 foot long thirty two thirty two 32 foot long it's four eight foot pieces it's 32 foot long which my shop is not so I took it to the office. We put it all together, um, had some issues, took it all apart, put it all back together again. It's runnable at this point. Um, Cards go down it without crashing. It's It's functioning well. I want to do a bit more work to it. I want to make a better release mechanism. I want to polish all the aluminum tracks. I want to clean it up a bit, but it's functional. And I've got a meeting with the pack tomorrow night, actually, to dry run it and assemble it and i may just leave it with them and say it's done or i may take it home and play with it for the next week and get it cleaned up a bit more so we'll see how that goes but it's it's functional and now i've turned my attention to the cars so the kids and i spent most of the day on saturday in the garage working on their cars
1: nice now now these come as kits right these these are kits with everything in them right
2: yeah but everything is is the three things you get a you get a block of wood i I don't even know what type of wood it is. It's it's, it's light. some
1: kind of wood.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's it's a pine or a white balsa wood, or wood. I don't know that it's balsa. It could be. It's a little sappier than uh, is balsa, it? is best I could tell. But I'm gonna uh, guess some sort of soft wood. Yeah, it's clearly it's a soft wood. Um, yeah, you get four nails and four plastic wheels. Um, and that's it. That's it. That's the kit. So the trick is to take those components and then uh, tweak them and make them as fast as possible.
1: Now I, I hear rumors of, of people who use questionable tactics to to get to get slight advantages. Um, you know, different kinds of lubricants on these wheels and things like that. Tell me, you're not like doping your 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 setup there?
2: No, no, I don't personally see. I don't see any value in teaching the kids to cheat, and <laughs> I don't. I don't feel any you know, any redeeming sense of victory if we win by cheating. Uh, I want us to win because we're going to do the best within the framework of the rules. So um, it's fairly straightforward, at least within our pack. You can't mill the wheels. Um, you're only allowed to use dry um, graphite as a lubricant. Okay. And you got a you weight limit of 5 grams, and you take it right up to the 5 grams. Um,
0: so what do tri- you do to – how do you get the 5 grams is – is the components that they give you more than five grams you got no, to shape some off the components they it, give
2: you are less than five grams by the time you put the wood up and shape the car you're even less than that so um you're adding you're adding weight to get to the five grams i'm adding tungsten but uh more typically than that you add lead i see tungsten um, yeah tungsten it's denser than lead
1: so is that your that's your that's your secret weapon
2: uh, the tungsten is nice because it's less you have to add to the car to get to the same weight. At the end of the day, you want to bring the car right up to the five ounces, or you'll lose. It's there are so yeah, many ounces cars. Ounces right a big difference. It's uh, you, you call me Tom. I have no idea which one. The actually seems a little light. So it's probably ounces, but I'd have to probably. actually double. It's probably <laughs> ounces. We're it's
1: not in Canada, right so I'm guessing for our you know five ounces. I think it translates in metric to what sixty-seven millipedes.
2: <laughs>
0: sure, whatever.
1: Some some along those lines. Yeah, so <laughs> so we're building cars.
2: Yeah. Anyway, the long short of it is we're building cars and we're going to make them as heavy as we can without going over the line. Nice. Nice. What are you up to, Chris?
0: <sighs> You'd think I was in this last minute elf contest again.
1: Uh oh. Are <laughs> we building stuff?
0: Well, so probably, I don't know, 12 years ago, I made, um, you know, I made some spatulas and
3: and I oh, literally used them go.
0: in my shop for, during my kitchen for 12 years. And my wife said a while back, hey, you know, you need to make us a couple more spatulas because these things are getting like wore out. They're split and they're still functional, but they're just kind of coming apart a little bit. So I said, okay, fine, I'll make us a couple more spatulas. So I made a couple spatulas, and then, you know, of course I make the mistake, and like all of us, I post things everywhere, so all my family out of the woodworks is coming and goes, hey, can I get a spatula? Hey, can I get a spatula?
2: Chris, I've been meaning to ask, is there any way I might be able to get a spatula from (laughs) you? So You know, the nice thing about them asking, Chris, is you get to say no.
0: Well, I know. I won't sell anything, but I can't tell them no when they ask me for it for nothing, so... Um so so my dad actually um my daughter's birthday was on this past Monday, so so we did uh did a little little uh birthday party for her on on Saturday and um and as as part of the as part of the 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 birthday party. You uh, hid fa- wait in the
2: shop and built something?
0: <laughs> no, my dad came down. So my dad came down and, and stayed with us. So Sunday dad goes, Well oh, hey, I thought I might rough out a couple of those spatules to bring back so nice so him and i walk in the shop and i get some wood out and i look and dad's gone and i'm standing in the shop (laughs) roughing spatulas out so (laughs) i ended i ended up doing i think a dozen of them all together uh and i i actually roughed them out sanded them and and did the whole thing on on sunday so uh so i made a Actually, I think I had a baker's dozen. I think I, I you can't make a spatula and not have a baker's dozen. I guess so. Of
1: course, since you might be making cookies later.
0: That's <laughs> right. So exactly, they each, they each get their own spatula. So so it, you know, know, honestly, it was fun because um, you know it's it's completely you know it's completely just by hand and just you know I don't use there's no template for it. I just completely just. Kind of eyeball what I'm going to do on it, and uh, so they end up being slight variations in sizes. And I grabbed whatever piece of wood that I could find up there. So there's some of them out of cherry, some walnut, some maple. Um,
2: some osb always be.
0: <laughs> no, osb but there is. I've got the uh, I've got the mystery wood. I uh, I've got some wood I picked up. I don't know, probably a year ago at the at the Peach State Lumber, which is carries a lot of our our lumber and stuff here as far as uh you know woodworking lumber Mm -hmm. and so they've got this stuff listed as um i can't remember how you pronounce it but it's the it's the zebra wood basically and that's what it says on the side of this thing the and it's obviously not zebra wood it's like an exotic and it's very kind of oily and dense but it's um completely orange i mean there's no sense of this stuff being zebra wood at all so I have no idea what it is, but it's pretty dense and uh, made some pretty nice spatulas too. So, so yes, that was that was my. Uh, I,
1: I would imagine that would make nice spatulas. Anything that was my dense weekend. would probably give you a good grip too, right? Yes, nice.
0: So that was that was my um, that was my weekend. So I I uh, I did that and then I've put a couple of coats of oil on it the past couple of days. So nice. um, getting those out and I uh, getting ready to start a couple other projects. Well done. Yeah,
1: outstanding. Well, I I spent the weekend playing with my drawers. Oh, (laughs) what what kind of show are we going on here? Wait a minute. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It it sounds like it would be something I would do. Um, (laughs) No, actually, uh, the bed project is moving along again. I keep every time I come out in the shop and I put another component in, I keep wondering when the big mistake is going to happen. When I'm, you know, building something upside down or sideways or whatever. Uh, you know drawers are one of those things that it's kind of like you know you you do it you think to yourself it's got to work and then you go out there and it doesn't these oh, yeah. things went right in right on their runners and they they worked beautifully Um, I, I couldn't believe I built two of them I kept saying well I'm gonna mess this up somehow I, it never did <laughs> and and I'm, and I'm stunned I keep waiting you know to find out that I've done them upside down or something like that but so far swimmingly so uh nice. i just have a couple more drawers to build um and then after that then i then i'm going to finish it i'm going to finish it in in situ in place now so uh it's going to be interesting because we've already uh assembled the bed in the room and now i'm going to finish it there rather than drag it all apart and then drag it out into the shop
2: which means i'm going to be relying on a water-based finish now tom i saw that you posted about the water-based finish lately and i know i've heard you even say how because you're going to finish it in your room you're going to do it in water base
1: yeah why because oil-based reeks and if you, if you put it into your bedroom you won't be staying in your bedroom tom water-based... i know that you've
0: had an issue with sleeping so um i think that might knock you out and make you sleep a little better
1: there we go. I'm liking the way that said suffocation sounds like a good idea. No, I, I understand it. You know, it, it, first of all, you know, first of all, from what from what I've seen and from what I've what I've heard and what I've read, the formulations have changed a lot in the past ten years. Where there were problems with things looking very uh, fake, uh, things looking very uh, plastic, um, things not as durable. Uh, the the formulations have changed. Where now people, you know, it's, it's funny. Sam Hambury, who works for, um, oh, what's the name of the sprayer company? Erlex. Shoot. Erlex. Um, he's the guy who goes around and tours with Erlex. He uh, he was saying that he's shot it for the past. he shot uh, water based for the past fifteen years, and he's got no problems at all. And this guy, you know, he builds a lot of furniture, and and you know, I mean, he he shoots it out of the HVLP. He doesn't have to worry about explosion. He doesn't have to worry about. You know, the the fumes, he doesn't have to worry about getting exotic thinners out or anything like that. So that's part of the reason why I'm thinking. Also, you know, hey, it's an experiment. For me, it's an experiment. I got to try it, see if I can add it to the repertoire.
0: Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, your wife's going to kick you in the head every night.
1: Well, that's fine, because I can paint the bed, which was my original plan.
0: Ah, there (laughs) we go.
1: So (laughs) if it comes out looking like Haka you know what I'm saying, I can go fix it. So you know, it's the kind of thing where at least I won't be out of the bed for a long time. So, so that's the real that's, reason
2: you're
0: doing. Ah, uh, there we go.
1: No, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, so I can get what I want. Maybe I don't know, but you know, the real the reality is, I mean, from what I understand, the the water based stuff actually is, is much easier to work with. Um, it's much better than it was when it got the bad rap. Um, so you know, I'm I'm gonna give it a whirl. I'm what the heck? I'll give it a shot. Good luck. Good,
2: Good. luck, because yeah. I i'm an old curmudgeon and i still give it a bad rap i've not been well yeah i
1: know when you get on your horse and buggy and go to work every day you, know, <laughs> that's why you appreciate that kind of stuff right the yeah, army
2: hey I, I go to work at a chariot
1: oh nice i like that old school right
0: Dummy's <laughs> so hard to convince anything come on
1: then after that um my friends over at bell forest products actually sent me the lumber to start building my next niece's hope chest awesome so we, I'm going to write about it, obviously, a lot on the blog, but my niece turns uh, 16 in March, uh, end of March. So when she does, she'll be having a, a really nice looking, hopefully, hope just... God, I hope so. Um, I'm hoping I'm messed that. Up. <laughs>
0: so how many how many hope chests is this now? Is this
1: will be number three. It's
0: three. I can not remember. It's three or
1: four. After that, okay. she's only eleven now, so she's. you know, I've got a few years
2: break. So she's and expecting then... something really fancy that takes. Yeah, she's
1: expecting me to get all the bugs out in the first three. <laughs> um, also, my my I've got a good friend at work whose daughter. Um, she they adopted her from China, and she is now fourteen, coming becoming fourteen. Um, and my friend Bob asked me, you know, can you build one for Caroline? And I'm like, of course I can. So, um, so that's going to be another one. She's kind of like my, my, my sort of kind of niece. Nice. And then, uh, then, then I'll, I'll try, I would love to, and I don't know how this is going to ever work because they're spread out around the country, but it would be so cool if I can get all my nieces together with the, with their hope chest and go like get a group shot. Oh, that'd be cool. I probably have to hit the lottery though, to fly everybody in. So (laughs) with their chests. With, with the hope chest, yeah, because that's going to be free and that's Just not going to be good. So, put them
0: in the hope chest and ship them,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, if they can. I heard you could ship children, see, so you know, <laughs> if, if it's okay for, you could can, can ship children free, and that, that that's much better that way. So, <laughs> well, okay, if the, if the department of children and family shows up at my house trying <laughs> to take my kids away, I'll understand why because I tried to ship them to an exotic locale. <laughs> um, okay. That so, being
0: said, so, with all, yes, yeah. Chris. No, I was going to say, with that being said, why don't we, uh, let's bring in our guest, and I want to hear what he's got going on. This podcast is sponsored by the Gorilla Glue Company. With a full line of tough adhesives, tapes, and more, Gorilla can help you fix, build, or repair just about anything. Visit GorillaTuff.com to learn more. Gorilla, for the toughest jobs on planet Earth.
1: Hey, Andy Brownell, welcome,
3: Andy to the show thank you
1: it's good to have you andy
3: it's good to be on the show yeah. it's been entertaining I'm, already I know it's been it always is all my, all my confessions. it's great <laughs> um so andy you know in addition
1: to working at brunel furniture you're also the uh the, the, one of the head gurus with gorilla glue correct
3: Uh, well, I'm not really a head guru there. I, I, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have worked with them for a while, um, kind of on a contract basis. And then they're also a client of mine, uh, professionally in the job that I have at an advertising agency. So it's kind of a merger of a couple of different worlds all into one, one big partnership. It's fun. Nice. One big happy family.
0: So what, Exactly. um, so, so what do you got going on? Um, what do you got going on in your shop?
3: 2014 has been a busy year. Um, I wrapped up a a big teak bench um, towards the end of 2014 into 20 uh, or end of 2013 into 2014. Um, I started to work on a big original design for a desk made out of babinga um so that was a pretty big challenge i started out with like a prototype and kind of worked up from there that was a, lot you made of a fun. little
2: mini desk right it's
3: a tiny I, little prototype i did yeah it's like a one sixth scale and it's uh-huh. not the first time i've i've done scale models um i've done like three or four of them before it's just a little bit easier for me i'm not a very good uh pen and paper kind of person okay. so i just get a better sense of what things are going to look like in three dimensions when i can actually build out a little model and then you know you put a little bit of extra time into it and you have kind of a neat little thing to have hanging around the house afterwards so that's yeah. kind of fun
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's neat.
3: so can that, you, that
1: can, I, can i ask you is there any more is there any is there any wood more fun
3: to pronounce than babinga uh i don't know i'm trying to think what I mean, else I think I like
1: cherry maple oak
3: B- Mockery? No, Babinga, I gotta say, Babinga, Babinga. Is, a, is a famous, is a pretty popular one. Yeah, it's, it's also yes. w- where it's fun to say it. It makes up for its complete lack of pleasure in working with it's. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like it's like carving stone only harder. So uh, yeah, yeah, and the, the the desk was was really a lot of like hand shaping. Um, and you know, roughed out with a bandsaw and then a little bit with a router, but then most of it was rasps and files. But the rasps and files ended up actually working through it like a champ, and those things don't dull. So, um, I uh, I you know, muscled through it and worked out pretty well. So, I've that was a pretty big project, and then I spent a ton of time working on some small projects, um, and that was some contract work that I did with. Um, both Gorilla Glue and uh, Rust-Oleum. So, did a lot of blog cool. content, a lot of videos, a lot of how-to's. Mm-hmm. So, smaller projects, which included, among other things, making about fifty of those growler crates. So, they're like mm-hmm. a wood wood crate, basic thing with just some handles and um, some leather straps and some some pine, and uh, ended up making about fifty of those. And they made great gifts, and they're you know good for selling and Anything to tap into the beer beer craze right now is, uh, is always a good thing. So the small projects took me about five months and uh, then spent some time selling some wood at the lumber place here in town uh, that closed down a little while ago and then uh, entered a show, built a couple more pieces, and then uh, ended the year um, in talks with Popular Woodworking and I'm... Um, Going to be working on a, a couple of articles for him this year. So nice. great, that's awesome. That'll be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you, you know, you're not letting any grass grow under your feet. That's a good thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, you stay busy it keeps uh, it keeps me sane. You know, my job uh, professionally, I don't really produce anything tangible. Um, that's not to say I don't love the job, but it's a good balance. You know, between making something and and, uh, and, and having something tangible to show for it at the end of the day. So it's a, it's a good way to balance life, so to speak. Yeah, so, so you
0: said you said you were selling some wood at the oh, oh, what was that about how did that how did that come about
3: yeah that's interesting the um, I was connected with this place here in town called Midwest woodworking and it was a um, a cabinet professional cabinet making shop that was in business for about sixty years. I got connected with them through uh our uh, insurance agent and this place is about Sixty-five thousand square feet, and it is filled with a combination of domestic and exotic woods. The business started to go downhill. The owner, uh, Frank David, who has since passed away, um, had uh, the idea of wanting to like just sell it to the general public. So, we did some promotion with a few other folks, including um, people at Popular Woodworking and Chris Schwartz. And we brought in hundreds of people for sale uh, wow. for for the sales and. Sold a ton of lumber. Um, we did a couple of sales, probably about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth altogether. Wow! Um, and this place was filled with—I mean, the stuff that you dream about. You know, Chris has written about it. You know, stacks and stacks of Honduran mahogany boards that were—you know—they're all gone now. But they were twenty-four inches wide, sixteen to twenty feet long, an inch thick, perfectly clear. Sure. Um, the guy has, or he still has some pieces of Rosewood. So you've maybe seen some of the Rosewood, uh, planes that, um, Scott. Uh, Scott made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was with some of the Brazilian Rosewood. They've got teak. It's, it was just a treasure trove. So got lucky, you know, everyone's got their wood connections. Um, and this was, this was mine as well as many other people in Cincinnati. So.
0: Wow. it's amazing.
2: Mm.
0: So did the guy, was was he, was, he was importing it for like wholesale type selling or, or what was yeah,
3: the, well, well, he, he, he and his father, his father started the business originally and, um, his father had a, it was a full cabinet shop. I mean, they built, um, large scale installations, banks, um, big, you know, high rise building lobbies, um they built uh, I don't know if it's still there, but at one time they built the uh uh corporate uh uh boardroom table for Procter and Gamble. It was about a forty foot long solid walnut table and <laughs> it was, you know, made from walnut that was cut down somewhere in like the Daniel Boone forest, or I don't, I can't remember what the exact story of the location was, but this guy, Frank, the owner had all these stories about every, you know, every stockpile of lumber that was there. There was a story that he'd tell you about it. And, uh, he, he ran the business for years and then the business just kind of went downhill and it, uh, started to, you know, just dry up, and he realized that he had, you know, probably close to a million board feet of lumber that he needed to move. Um, so he started to sell it. And that's kind of how it kind of picked up.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow, neat story.
3: Yeah, I still have, I still have about two thousand board feet throughout the house here, which my wife is looking forward for me to getting rid of at some point. Yeah, that. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, if you if you want to drive some of it down to Atlanta, you know, just bring it on (laughs) well they're
3: still there you know they're still selling stuff if anyone's interested people can contact me they're they they don't have anyone that works there anymore the place is closed but the wood is still there and if people are interested they'll open the doors for you know a, a reasonable size sale and again they've got you know they've got rosewood they've got you know babinga they've got teak they've got sugar pine mahogany maple walnut they've got it all prices that are pretty good too
0: Wow. That's good. That's good to, uh, good to know.
3: Yeah. I imagine if that wood's been sitting here for a
1: while, it's gotta be some pretty, pretty old stuff. Some, some pretty good quality stuff too, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Some of my favorite stuff there is, uh, is some of the larger pieces of sapeli, um, which is mm. kind of like a mahogany, um, really nice ribbon striping. He's got some 10 quarter pieces that are 12 inches wide and 16 feet long. Those are really nice. I'm working on a, um, wendell castle style stacked lamination project right now with some of that and it just shapes really nicely it's really really easy to work with
2: oh that's great that's this billy is is absolutely beautiful i've got a big hunk sitting in my shop that i don't know what i'm going to do with yet but hearing that it shapes that may answer the question um yeah,
3: it's it's good. I mean, sometimes you get a piece that's a little bit harder. Sometimes it's got a little bit more minerals uh, in it. You know, it just depends on where the tree was located. But for the most part, the stuff that I've been buying from him, which just came from, you know, two big shipping containers that he had sent over from, you know, Germany via, you know, Africa, I guess. Um, and uh, it was, you know. Just some incredible stuff. Super stable. It probably had been sitting in the warehouse for about forty years. Um, you know, just dust had piled up on it. So just seasoning
1: till it was perfect, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. I was actually I was actually burning some scraps of it this afternoon <laughs> and this evening in my fireplace. Firewood Such of kings. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
0: I always think about that. I end up, you know, I've got a uh one of those little—I don't even know what you call the things—the little chimney things that
2: chimia,
0: yeah, the chimias. That's what they are. And that thing inevitably burns all my my just leftover scrap that I've got, and I can't tell you some of the woods I've burned through that thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm sure a lot of people are. I mean, it kind of it, it it bugs you a little bit, but you, you can't let that stuff pile up.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There's a fine Seriously. line. You
3: can burn it at some point. Yeah. Right, there's a fine line between scrap wood and hoarding.
0: Yeah, you start looking at this piece and you're like, you know, by the time I actually straighten the thing out from some curves and crap I've cut off of it on something, it's like, there's nothing there. It's gone. A
3: toothpick. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that that, that fire pit is, you know, it's funny because my, my oldest son keeps reminding me that I never make any mistakes in woodworking because we have a <laughs> fire pit. So anything I have made a mistake on, what mistake? It always goes out. So. Up in ashes. It's seriously, it keeps us warm and toasts the s'mores really well. So it's very there's a lot to
3: get said about that. Mistakes.
0: Hey, I will say, I mean, like one thing that I do is, um, you know, I've got a a big green egg. So, I like for my oak and and maple and stuff like that. I always cut that stuff up into just the smallest chunks that I can, so that uh, you know you throw something on there and you can soak those things for a minute and throw it in there and get some good uh, good smoke out of it. So
3: yeah cherry uh is the same way cherry's great for it, yeah, yep yeah I know a lot of people do cherry, um they'll soak it in water and then they'll do like cedar plank style, but yeah. they'll just do it on cherry, yep uh-huh.
0: yeah, it works real well.
3: that's how
1: I did my Thanksgiving turkey, so there's a lot to be said about that method <laughs> now, Andy, you know when we you know, when we talk about gorilla glue, we start talking about you know what 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 the company's been doing. They got some really cool products out there. Now, they get, they made their name with the polyurethane glue, didn't they?
3: Yeah, yeah. That's their—that's kind of their bread
1: and butter. So I mean, had i
3: mean, that, was, was that an
1: invention that they had, or did that was that something that they had—they had moved into the market on?
3: Um, you know, I'm, I know I'm not going to get this 100 percent right, but I believe the product was originally developed in Europe, um, okay. and then the Gorilla Glue company, well, the family here in town purchased that com- that product. And uh, then they began marketing and manufacturing it here as well as worldwide. Um, and then as the company has grown, they've diversified their products and added in, you know, a, a much wider range of products in both kind of adhesives and uh, and the tape category.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah the, the, the polyurethane glue is su- such wild stuff. I mean, you know, it's it's you don't you don't. I still remember when it first came out, and part of it was you know you paint on one side and then you wet down the other side of the wood for the joint and then you put the two together
3: right and it, yeah, it was like it was like so it seemed like so counterintuitive, yeah, and that's that's not not unusual. I think you know one of the biggest questions that always comes up that people have that consumers will ask is you know what did I do wrong? It didn't work or it didn't hold the right way. Or the most common one that you know, certainly I've heard and from what their customer service people have shared is that it foams up. And, and that's, you know, that's essentially what it's supposed to do. Um, the polyurethane glue um, reacts with water. And, and it's kind of the catalyst for kind of getting it to expand and kind of fill in um, the different cellular structures of the materials, if it's wood, um, or just kind of create that strong bonding matrix Um, it's, uh, most commonly, I think people just use too much. Um, most of the time people are conditioned to using wood that's not, or using glue. That's not going to expand kind of like a wood glue or a PVA. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. But if you, uh, if you put it on like PVA, uh, PVA glue, like a wedding cake frosting, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of foam that comes out, um, The other thing, and I think one of the big challenges that people have is that once they start seeing it foam, then they start to wipe it out and they try to clean it up. My biggest piece of advice is that if you think you've maybe put too much on, either use a dry cloth to wipe off a little bit of the excess or just let it it dry, let it cure. It's actually a heck of a lot easier to clean up um, once it's completely dry. In fact... I found cleaning up gorilla glue polyurethane is easier than pretty much any other glue. It just it scrapes off it it'll you know use a scraper um, and it it appeals right off more like a foam versus the PVA where sometimes you're trying to chip it away and it can tear out the wood. I rarely, if oh, ever sure, yeah. deal with any kind of tear out when I'm trying to clean up glue, hmm. um, especially on like a tabletop glue up or something like that. I think it's it's awesome for that.
2: Now, Andy, how does it deal with um with stains and finishes?
3: That's what I was about to ask. Yeah, uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> um, let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually go onto their site and look at the FAQs because for stains and finishes, uh boy, you know what?
2: I'm not talking about like you know putting stain over the cured glue per se, but if you have some bleed out and the foam gets into the wood and then you scrape it off, and then you put your finish over it. Yeah. Is the spot that got the foam on it that you've scraped, is that going to kind of have a shadow line or a light um, spot or something?
3: Maybe a tiny bit, but certainly not to the extent that you would if you were using um, PVA glue. You yeah. know how usually it's, it's almost – comp- right. Yeah, like regular wood glue, like a type yeah. 2. Um, usually I see it's a little bit easier um, to, to absorb um, to absorb a stain. Um, or at least, you know, hide, hide the marks a little bit easier.
0: Well, it doesn't seem to um, to sink in and absorb into that, that seal that, that PVA does, if yeah, that makes I sense.
3: Mean, I th- it's, it's definitely going to have different properties as far as it's adhered right. to different materials. Um, it, it's 100% waterproof right. um, for sure. Um, but, again, it, it does have different properties. It's, it's more of an all-purpose adhesive. It works on pretty much every kind of material that you can think of except for, I think, some plastics and rubbers and things that just have too much, too much oil in them. I, I don't think there's many commercially available adhesive products that can necessarily handle those types of materials. But when it comes mm-hmm. to all-purpose, Gorilla Glue is pretty, pretty versatile. So,
0: you
1: know, you mentioned it, you know, especially, you know, with, with, uh, with waterproof, you know, for, for outdoor projects. And know we, you know, there are a lot of people right now, believe it or not, even in the depths of winter, starting to think spring. Right. And, uh, you know, in summer, you know, building those, de- you know, the, the benches and the picnic tables and things like that. And they may be doing that now. You know, mm-hmm. that's something to think about. I mean, if you use regular, just regular, you know, PVA glue, it's not going to do well in the outdoors. <laughs>
3: Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, Gorilla Glue is a great choice for that. Um, It it was originally um, created for gluing up teak. um, I think for boats and outdoor furniture, you know, teak is oily. It's a tropical wood Mm -hmm. um, and outdoor furniture is going to get exposed to the elements. Um, So when you've got an adhesive that's waterproof as well as, um, you know, conducive to helping bond uh, materials that are oily or wood that's oily like teak, um it's a perfect match that's that's the glue that i used on the teak bench that i've made i've used i've used it on a couple of other outdoor benches and everything seems to be going well so far so
0: yeah i remember when you were actually remember uh is that the bench that you were making at woodwork in america um year before last yeah
3: yeah, yeah the one that had the uh the draw bore pegs on yeah it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that that's never coming apart no <laughs>
1: you sound confident that's a good thing i like I'm that
3: pretty confident mm. on that i i think i think the wood will rot away before the joint fails on that bench
0: <laughs> so what one other question that 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 i had with with it is just it's just storage i mean that seems to be the issue that that i've always had with it is just you know wh- what's the best way to store it to where you know i mean a lot of hobby guys we tend to use a little bit and then you know it it sits for a while so wh- How's that best handled?
3: well I mean gorilla glue the polyurethane polyurethane glue it's it's moisture activated right so once once the adhesive comes in contact with moisture um, it's going to start to harden the the glue itself so if you want to extend the shelf life of it a couple of things you can do you can wipe um, wipe the lid and the nozzle clean with a dry cloth um, and you know, make sure you tightly replace the cap. Um, another trick is you can basically squeeze out any of the excess air that's in the bottle and then put the cap back on. Um, don't put it in the freezer. Don't put it in any other place. Keep it in a in a location that's going to be dry. Um, the smaller bottles have also have developed a couple of new innovations that just – ensure that it's sealed a little bit more. There's a metal pin that's in the cap itself and it screws in really tight and and holds it down and I've I've had a bottle of that um opened and I kind of reused that for the last year and a half and it's still in in great condition. Um mm. the only other piece I piece of advice I could recommend is, you know, knowing that Gorilla Glue does do that, buy buy a smaller bottle. Um keeping in mind that you're obviously not going to be using as much as you would PVA, right? So just buy a smaller amount and you won't run into, you know, having a half of a bottle, uh, you know, harden up on you. There's, there's a bunch of different sizes that are available pretty much at any, any of the larger stores that you can go to. I think there's uh, about five or six sizes. They go from three ounce little minis all the way up to like the big 36 ounce, uh, uh, large bottles. So,
1: you know, it's funny, Andy. Also, I saw that you had uh, we we, had, we had gotten some sam uh, some some individual serving sizes, little foil packets that had them in there, and that was that was interesting because they sold them as like little minis. Yeah, and it was yeah. and it was really cool cuz you know for i have used it to glue up individual projects and you know where i live here in the Tampa Bay area, i mean you you swim to the mailbox in the summer so <laughs> right. uh, you know we get a little humidity here so it is kind of it is kind of cool to have that ability to um to control how much you get out you know and i can use two of them for a project and i know the rest of them are going to be okay next time i need it so that helps a lot
3: yeah and and that's honestly i think that's one of the things that gorilla has done really well is that they've listened to you know, what people are asking for. And I think that's an example of the kind of thing that consumers were asking for. And it also came out of, you know, some of the challenges associated with just the chemistry of that product.
2: Sure. So
3: those those smaller products work out really well. Um, I think they've extended that into some of the super glue products. Um, and they're even doing smaller, uh, smaller rolls of a lot of their tapes uh, as well that they've brought to market, too. Um, just knowing that sometimes people have smaller applications and smaller uses, um, and it doesn't require necessarily a big roll or a big bottle of glue.
1: You know, it's funny also because you guys also, you know, Gorilla also goes into uh, just a regular, uh, like a Type 2 PVA as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've I've used that and compared it to the competitors, and it works great. I mean, you know, the the Gorilla glue, the, the yellow wood glue really works great as well. So, I mean, so you've got a couple of options if you prefer a more traditional type of PVA type glue. And it's a type 2, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a standard type 2 PVA. Um, you know, I, I was a tight bond user before I started using Gorilla Glue. Um, and, and the wood glue, I think, has been around for about five or six years. Um, I've used it on a bunch of my products. I use their other, you know, polyurethane mm-hmm. products. I use all their products, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, each of them has a different application and use.
2: And the, the wood glue I find particularly helpful. It, it's um, it's got a nice thick consistency mm-hmm. and some good initial tack. I've been using their their wood glue for a while. I'm very pleased with it.
3: Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that too.
1: Now, uh, you know, the funny thing is, you know, also when you get into the tapes, and, you know, and, and you know, I mean, you know, duct tape has a million uses, right? But the problem is, like the duct tape you go down to the local store and buy these days, this really isn't all that good. It's not like it used to be. And, you know, the Gorilla Duct Tape is 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 heavy-duty stuff.
3: Right. This yeah. is
1: the kind of stuff that, you know, it takes an effort to tear. It's not like just a little wimpy stuff where you kind of pull it off and you stick to the wall and it comes down. This stuff stays.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, they uh, It's called, you know, we we like to call it Duct Tape on steroids. Um, <laughs> yeah, duct, duct Tape is is, I think, they've chosen, you know, some different categories and different markets to kind of develop their products in. And they've been very successful at that um the the products that gorilla is is putting out there when it comes to the tapes um you know they're gorilla they're they need to be tough they need to be strong and I think one of the other things that they 've done a really good job at with with the tapes in particular is that they 've continued to bring products to market that perform far better than anything else that i've seen available in the market now obviously i'm a bit biased here, but you know when you when you look at the gorilla tape product itself. Um, it's incredibly strong when you look at some of the clear repair properties where you can, you can tear off a piece of it. You can swim underwater, and you can apply it to a broken pool cover, and it will adhere to it. Um, you know, There's some pretty, pretty impressive properties with that. Their, their packing tape is incredibly strong. It's a really wide three-inch strip. Um, so, you know, if you're packing up boxes or, you know, putting things away for the season, you know, usually you'd have to do two or three strips. You know, you do the middle strip, you kind of miss a little bit of the edge, so then you have to do one on one side, and then you mm-hmm. want to do one on the other. This is one strip of tape, um, and it's got an incredibly strong, sheer strength uh, to it that, again, surpasses anything else that's on the market. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I got to say something on that, Andy. So so that, that packing tape, I actually... Uh, I uh, I had a package I had to put in the mail, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and so I grabbed a, a roll of that Gorilla packet tape, and I, I packed this box up with it, and I got it packed, and I thought, yeah, somebody's going to have a hell of a time getting that one open, because
3: <laughs> it is so tough, Joe. So yeah yeah it's it now did you use the packing tape you sure you didn't use the clear repair use the packing tape with the with the dispenser and the cutter well,
0: on no, it? no 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 I'm sorry you're right it was the uh the clear repair yeah yeah
3: you went you definitely went over so, so it yeah, was, it, it just it didn't was want anybody to get into that box <laughs> well, it yeah. was,
0: it was convenient it was right beside me so uh so I packed it up and I'm like yeah this this box isn't going anywhere yeah, well, just, I, I,
1: well I will cut it open yeah
3: yeah <laughs> i I've, I've been guilty doing the same thing you know before. <laughs> Before they brought the packing tape to market. I, I probably <laughs> overused the clear repair a bit as well. But, uh, you know, I know I know the box is not going to fail. The box yeah. will fail before the tape does. <laughs> so yeah,
1: that um, probably won't
3: be around. They're so, kind of like, like tough skins. Remember the tough skins <laughs> pants from Sears where your knees would wear out before the pants would.
1: Don't remind me, okay? I had to wear those, so...
0: So, um, you know, one of the things that I'd like to talk about is, you know, obviously, you know, we, we wanted to to bring you on Andy and, and talk about the products and stuff. And, you know, everybody knows that, that we, um, you know, we've, we've had some sponsorship here with, with Gorilla Glue for the past, um, three months. And, um, but, but as part of that, I, I know that, that part of this initiative is with, with Gorilla Glue doing, you know, more with their site and just content and, and things like that. And they're doing some pretty cool stuff. So, uh. You know why? don't you talk about that a little bit?
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, content marketing uh, is is an area where where Gorilla has really started to take a, a pretty pretty big uh, role in. Um, the idea around content content creation is all about developing project ideas. You know, for fixing, building, repairing things, and how. Um, the products can be used to do that, but also just how the brand itself can provide people with guidance on and, and inspiration around making and creating and fixing and repairing things themselves. So right. um, one of the big initiatives, which you know, ties into the program that you guys have been involved in, um, that's tied into things that I've been involved with them for years and then Ties into a lot of work that um, their agency partners, including the agency I work for, has been doing is a section on their website now. It's called Inspiration. Um, So Mm -hmm. off of their website, it's under the Gorilla at Work navigation under Inspiration. You can also get it kind of halfway down the homepage as well. Um, The Inspiration section is is just a combination of original content that the brand has created. Um, So the stuff from you guys, the stuff from us. Uh, or from from uh, my blog, um, as well as content that they've curated uh, from around the web. So, it's finding projects that <clears throat> tap into the kinds of things that people may want to make and create um, that can use uh, Gorilla's products. So, you know, we give people options to kind of filter different projects based on prepare, repair, or make. Um, or, by um, kind of different rooms around the house uh, or surface type um, or, or adhesive or you know the product that you want to use, or you can just browse it, so it gives people the ability to kind of look at different um, different pieces of, of content that they 've collected, um, gives people an idea of what they can do, and then it takes them to that content and that content sometimes leads off of the website, and that 's fine uh, it's it 's all about just kind of creating that trust, um, as a resource, uh, for people to do any of the things that they may want to take on. Um, and hopefully they'll choose gorilla as, as one of the products that they'll use to do that. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a soft, it's more of a softer sell, you know, it's, it's not necessarily hitting people over the head. Um, it's just a smarter way of kind of integrating the brand into how people, um, discover, uh, content. Uh, through digital platforms and that's kind of what I do in my job and that's one of the things that Gorilla has made a a choice to do, um, in this past year and, and moving forward into 2015 too. So I'm excited. Uh, they're excited. Um, you guys have obviously been a part of that and, uh, and, and we're really, um, looking forward to how that shapes up, uh, in 2015 and beyond.
1: And you couldn't have picked a better word for it. I mean, inspire. I mean, the whole idea—you know—what what I think what all these woodworking podcasts and blocks are trying to do is trying to inspire people to get out to to do it themselves. And that's, you know, it's funny when I when I look at the stuff that the Gorilla Company, the Gorilla Glue Company, has been doing, it has been inspire. Get out and do it yourself. And it's and it's you know, it's such a different way to look at things you know when you say well i can fix it i can make that i can do that you know that really inspires people to get up off their butts and to and to, and to put some effort into it
3: absolutely you know yeah. i mean, i think i think the country has lost a little bit of its uh ability to be self-reliant and kind of do things on your own and you know in a somewhat disposable society that we live in it's good to see people taking a little bit more of a stand and kind of figuring out how to do things for themselves or finding, to your point, the inspiration to do it. And and that's exactly what this initiative is designed to do. So what, I mean, so Andy, you know, coming up in, in 2015,
1: um, you know, new year ahead of us, um, you know, what, what, what's in store for you this year? I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about what you've got coming up. You said 2014 was really busy. What, what, is, uh-huh. what does 2015 hold for you?
3: Well, it's not slowing down. Uh, you know, I still have to make a living uh, part of that making a living uh, is working with Gorilla Glue um, in my real job. Um, so there's lots of different programs that we're going to be rolling out this year, uh, to your point, that will help inspire people. Um, they've got some new product launches as well, which you know I can't talk about, but I can certainly tell you that new products that they bring to market will be very consistent with who the brand is, <clears throat> so you can expect uh, these new products to perform exceptionally well. And what oh, geez, I've seen is impressive. You can't
1: give <clears> a hint. Is it animal, it's... vegetable, or mineral?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I believe it would qualify as mineral if we had oh, to break it down there. It? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's really exciting to see what they're bringing to market. It's, it's exciting to be a part of that. Um You know, beyond that, there will probably be some more furniture projects that I'll do. Um, I'm looking to do a little bit more on, you know, contract work. Uh, Pretty close to getting something closed with Arbortech. Uh, I connected with them based on a project that I was doing um, recently, and I'm going to be doing some things for them. And then the really exciting thing is, uh, like I mentioned earlier, is just, writing some articles for popular woodworking. So I've got uh, a tool review coming out in a future article and then late in the year, um, a four page article on uh, mid century modern clock. Yeah.
2: Congratulations.
3: <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely keeping me busy uh, trying to find yeah. the free time to get it all done on the weekends is, uh, is always a challenge, but we figure out a way.
2: Yeah. Let me uh, diverge for just a second, Andy. When when we asked you our five questions, which I want to say was Woodworking America 2012, um, you were talking about – well, something we haven't even touched on was your apprenticeship with Jeff Miller. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, you were making – I don't know if you used the term, but you were making rectilinear furniture, and it was very square Mm -hmm. and straight. And at least at the time, two years ago, you were talking about wanting to get more into curves. Yeah. And – I would say that you've succeeded at that, having you know built uh, build your Babinga desk and the Escheric stool you just finished up. And mm-hmm. if a stack lamination Wendell Castle inspired table isn't curvy, I don't know what is.
3: Yeah, there's so, no ninety degree angles in that.
2: Um, <laughs> well, it's ninety degrees until you start carving. Yeah, that's those nineties need to be absolutely perfect at uh, to begin <laughs> also,
3: with. And then... it
1: also might be ninety degrees like in Jamaica right now too. So. <laughs> So nice I, I'm guessing nice it's probably
2: way. the only other place you'd find it, so right, right. when we talked in in two thousand twelve you were kind of hesitant about getting into the curve work, clearly, you wanted to, but um, there was a reluctance there, I think What finally got you into it and and how were you finding it
3: uh Jeff, Jeff Miller, really, Uh, you know, he's, he's like the king of curves Um, and, you know, Jeff and I are good friends and he has, you know, he's, he's always been very encouraging of, um, you know, any of the work that I do. Uh, I think he's been happy to see me kind of move into kind of the curved and the laminated pieces of furniture a little bit more, uh, getting into a little bit more original design um, mm-hmm. You know, his biggest piece of advice was just just do it. Just start to do it. Just start to try it and right. don't be afraid to fail. You know, I mean, everything that he builds is iterative. You know, he – I've seen him, you know, start out with one version of a piece and it evolves over time and you, you see the curves and the, the complexity of the joinery, you know. Evolve, and in a lot of cases, you know, he he's free. He freely admits he doesn't necessarily know exactly how he's going to execute something. You know, he'll have an idea in his head, um, but that's how you figure it out. You just you just kind of jump in, and uh, it's a good piece of advice. I mean, you you obviously have to you know take some steps to be a little deliberate in the choices that you make, but you're really never going to progress. Unless you push yourself and you go outside of your comfort zone. I suppose that's pretty much true for anything in life, but at least in, in woodworking. In this case, that's kind of the the thing that, that pushed me, you know, past that point in 2012 where I was still working in a lot of, um, you know, rectilinear shapes, which again, I mean, there's, there's some amazing stuff out there that doesn't really rely on a lot of curves. You know, there's some incredible Tansu stuff that's out there and, and, and things like that, but um, once you kind of get into the curves and, and the carving and the shaping, uh, woodworking becomes a very, uh, a very broad uh, playing field. You know, there's so many other things that you can start to do when you know when you're laminating a piece or when you're starting to really carve away uh, the material. It's it's very different than just kind of joining basic boxy shapes together. Um, and sometimes it's a combination of the two, right? And and that's yeah. kind of where you merge what you've learned in the past with new ideas and new techniques that you take on um, as you continue to develop your skill set. And and that's been that's been uh, one of the big joys that I've found over the last year or so, and what I'm looking forward to for uh, for 2015 and beyond.
0: You know, it's it's interesting you talk about Jeff Miller and just you know how you know, having a piece evolve is, is kind of, you know, Diami and I did uh kind of a chair making a uh, couple of day course, um, you know, a little overview with, with Jeff here in Atlanta at Highland Woodworking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was really one of the things that, that I took away, you know, it's is the, the first day we kind of went through and, you know, Jeff really just kind of went through and talked and did some demos and some techniques and things like that. And, the second day, the whole second half of the class we we basically just designed and and built a a model mm-hmm. and yeah and there was you know tell me you can you know it it there was really a lot of change and, and evolution in the piece as we were going, you know it was yeah, well, that looks okay, but let's change that and let's move this, and so what we originally the concept we came up with it totally evolved is is just through this this half day of us sitting there just putting this together and and i think that's a good thing that you know a lot of people you know they pick up and you go well i've got to have a set of plans and i've got to have this exact how i'm going to build this before i start but you know going through that model process like you were talking about earlier a lot of times that shows you that you know you you do change and you kind of once you start seeing how things come together so
3: absolutely yeah i mean i when I started to do that small model, that prototyping exercise, it not only gave me a better idea of, of figuring out, you know, dimensions and proportions and and lines and things, but, you know, it also produced something that was just, you know, as much fun to make. Um, you know, and some people find that joy out of, you know, sketching or working in, uh, um, you know, a 3d program, um, like SketchUp, um, you know, you can find the enjoyment in that design process and building and making furniture long before you start making sawdust. And right. I think that was one of the big learnings for me that I just never really had thought about in the past. Yeah,
2: hmm. yeah so that's definitely.
3: something I hadn't thought of because I look at those little models
2: and I saw your model for the desk before you made the desk and with the right aspect ratio, it would have looked like a full-size desk. It was a really neat model. Um, but at least for my own take... I just look at it and I say, God, that's tedious. Um, But that's the beauty of this thing is that everyone making it, we all enjoy different parts of the process and a different method of getting from here to there. So whereas I would be quite content to make um, full-size sample legs and mock-ups and templates and things like that, and that's kind of how I do my design work is with with full-size pieces that are going to lead to the real table, not Mm -hmm. in the miniature. But um, I know plenty of people who really get into the sketching and – I it never dawned on me that making the, the model would be just as rewarding as making the sketch. Um, but I think that's, that really rings true. And no matter how you're getting there in terms of getting the idea out of your head, it's important to explore the different methods so you find one that works for you.
3: Right. Yeah, I mean working, working in miniature is a very uh, – it's a very different exercise. Uh, what's, the, what's the guy that uh, – Marco Trenzi?
0: Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that on, oh. on Instagram.
3: His his work is God. insane. <laughs> it's
0: completely crazy. Um, yeah, the, the, he actually was at uh, he was Tom. You, you may have saw his stuff there. He was at uh, at Woodwork in America.
2: Makes the yeah. little baby tools. Yes. Oh yeah yeah yeah. For Matt, he makes Matt Kenny's tools.
0: He makes Kenney's tools. That's right. Oh boy.
2: <laughs>
0: he he. I mean, it is. There's there's one picture that he's got where he's got the uh, the Rubo bench and. The anarchist tool chest. He's got the anarchist tool chest, and he's even got like a board leaning up against the wall behind. You think it's real. And it looks completely full size. Yeah. Amazing stuff.
3: Yeah, that yeah. blew my mind. That was like one of the first pictures that I saw of his. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, the guy built, he did the whole setup. And then I looked at it a little bit more, and I'm like, wow, it's a miniature. <laughs> yeah.
1: People can, people can do, you know, you force perspective. You can do incredible things. Yeah. yeah. With that, that just about wraps it up for the show. Um, If you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, be sure to never miss another exciting episode. And while you're on iTunes, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating, even if you don't believe we deserve it. And I can see why you wouldn't think so. It helps our rank so others can more easily find us.
2: If you want to learn more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter, at MWA underscore national, like the MWA on Facebook, or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, you can join the MWA Google Plus community for project-sharing discussion and loads of woodworking banter. You could also join the Google Plus quilting community for lots of discussion with Al Navas. (laughs) Yes, you can.
0: all right and so i am chris adkins of high rock woodworking.com or you can also find me at high rock ww on twitter and instagram and all those other internet places
2: i'm diami Plotke of penultimate woodshop.com and i'm penultimate woodshop on instagram sweet and i'm resident shop monkey
1: tom i of you know of com and at Tom's Workbench on twitter and not on instagram so you won't be seeing me there okay and uh until we talk to you again we wish you all a happy sodas
0: out Peace.